Hey guys, welcome back to the Boxing Daily Podcast Live Stories with your host, Pam. Today's episode is about Emil Griffith. Emil was a professional boxer from the US Virgin Islands who became a world champion in the welterweight, junior middleweight and middleweight classes. His best known contest was a 1962 title match with Benny Paré. At the weigh-in, Paré infuriated Griffith, a bisexual man, by touching his buttocks and making a homophobic slur. Griffith won the bout by knockout and Paré never recovered consciousness and died in the hospital 10 days later. In 1963 and 1964, Griffith was voted Fight of the Year by the Ring Magazine and the Boxing Writers Association of America. In 2002, he was listed 33 on Ring Magazine's list of 80 greatest fighters of the past 80 years. Griffith currently ranks 127 in BoxRex ranking of the greatest pound-for-pound boxers of all time. Early life and amateur career Emil Afonso Griffith was born on February 3, 1938, one of eight children on St Thomas in the Virgin Islands. His father left the family when Griffith was a child and his mother came to New York to work after sending the children to live with relatives. As a teen, he worked at a hat factory on a steamy day when his boss, the factory owner, agreed to Griffith's request to work shirtless. When the owner, former amateur boxer, noticed his frame, he took Griffith to train at Gil Clancy's gym. Emil Griffith said, So I went out and I took my t-shirt off. The next thing I knew, he was peeking at me. Griffith recalled in Peter Heller's in this corner. While he was peeking at me, I didn't know what plans he had going through his head at the time. The next thing you know, I was in the Golden Gloves. Impressed with Griffith's V-shaped physique, Albert took Griffith to Gil Clancy's gym and the kid who originally wanted to become a baseball player began what would become a Hall of Fame boxing career. Griffith won the 1958 New York Golden Gloves 147 pound open championship. Griffith defeated Osvaldo Marcano of the Police Athletic League's Lynch Center in the finals to win the championship. In 1957, Griffith advanced to the finals of the 147 pound sub novice division and was defeated by Charles Wormley of the Salem Crescent Athletic Club. Griffith trained at the West 28th Street Parks Department Gym in New York City. Pro Career Although Griffith stood just 5 foot 7 3 quarters, he sported a massive 72 inch reach that allowed him to box at distance and wage war in trenches with equal dexterity. Because of this versatility, Griffith is generally regarded as one of the sport's steadiest and most consistent performers. Griffith won his first 13 fights 
before losing a 10-round split decision to veteran Randy Sandy in October 1959. Overall, the next 13 years, the losses were few and far between despite fighting relentlessly tough competition. Griffith won his first world title, which was the welterweight title from Cuban Benny the Kid Pare by knocking him out in the 13th round on April the 1st, 1961. Six months later, Griffith lost the title to Pare in a narrow split decision. Griffith regained the title from Pare on March 24, 1962 in the controversial bout, after which Pare died, which I will talk more about later in the episode. Furthermore, Griffith waged a classic three-fight series with Luis Rodriguez, losing the first and winning the other two. He defeated middleweight contender Holly Mims, but was knocked out in one round by Ruben Hurricane Carter. Three years later, on April 25, 1966, he faced middleweight champion Dick Tiger and won a 15-round unanimous decision and the middleweight title. He also lost and regained and then lost the middleweight crown in three fight classic with Nino Benevenuti. The men Griffith beat in the fights include Benny the Kid Parrot twice, Gaspar Ortega, Ralph Dupas, Jorge Fernandez, Luis Rodriguez twice, Dick Tiger, Joey Archer twice, and Nino Benavenuti. He also holds non-title victories over Tiger, Dupas, Fernandez twice, Ortega, Denny Moya twice, Florentino Fernandez, Yama Bahama, Holly Mims, Andy Hillman, Stanley Kitten Hayward, Gypsy Joe Harris, Tom Boggs, Ernie Indian Red Lopez twice, Max Cohen, Amanda Nunes, Benny Briscoe, Donato Paduano, and Christy Elliott. Even deep into his 30s, Griffith's skills challenged fighters in the midst of their primes. In 1973, a 35-year-old Griffith nearly avenged a 14-round DKO loss by punishing dominant middleweight champion Carlos Monzon to a close 15-round decision. At the age of 38, he came within a few points of defrowning. WBC 154-pound titleist Eckhard Daggy in his native Germany. Half of the losses and both of the draws in his 85-24-2 record occurred during the final 15 months of his career. It ended with three consecutive defeats, the last of which came to future middleweight champion Alan Minter. But when Griffith was at his best, most of the losses only came against other outstanding fighters like Jose Napoles, Monzon, Pare, Moya, Benevenuti, Rodriguez, Rubin Hurricane Carter, Jean-Claude Boutelier and Hayward. 
Griffith versus Perret, the third fight. On March 24, 1962, Griffith fought Perret for the third time and for the second time as a welterweight title challenger. Their pulsating series was saturated with personal tensions, the most infamous of which was Parrot calling Griffith a maricon, the Spanish equivalent for a homosexual slur, during the weigh-in. Maybe it was worse when someone you know and consider a good person does something really lousy to you. Then, if it is a stranger, all I know is it felt like he stuck a knife into me, Griffith said in the Ron Ross book, 910 and out. If Gil Clancy didn't jump in and get between us, I was ready to go to it then and there, without gloves, without three-minute rounds and no referee. Save it for tonight, Emil, Clancy said as he wrapped his arm around me. Save it for tonight. That's what he wants to do. Get you mad and out of your fight plan. Despite being knocked down with a left hook in round 6, Griffith was well ahead on points, going into the fateful 12th. Following a listless 11th, Clancy ordered Griffith to not let up if he hurt Paré. The moment of truth arrived a little more than midway into the next round, when Griffith staggered Paré with a torrid right to the jaw, with Clancy's command ringing in his ear. Griffith landed 21 flush shots, mostly to Perez's battered head, and by the end, the Cuban's body was frighteningly inert, as if his very soul had already exited his body. I hope he isn't hurt, Griffith was quoted saying in the dressing room afterwards. I pray to God, I say from my heart, he's alright. Though Griffin was angry at Perret for what he said at the weigh-in, he didn't hate him, certainly not to the point of killing him. I was so afraid for Perret, but I was afraid for myself also, he said in Ross' book. I was feeling a terrible guilt, because the truth was, I was angry at him, and seeing the way he was now, I didn't want to feel that I had any anger towards him. I was angry at him, but it wasn't hate. It was nothing like hate. At that moment, I could not even recognise that there was a difference between anger and hate. I broke down, crying, asking myself if I could have been so angry that I wanted to kill him. I had to admit that I hated him so much for what he said, but I really didn't hate him, the person, Benny Paré. Paré's death, 10 days later, only marked the beginning of Griffith's agony. I got agony that never left him. That feeling extended to the referee, Ruby Goldstein, who never officiated another fight. Griffith vs. Paré Aftermath Due to the way Paré became unconscious and was seriously hurt by the barrage of punches from Griffith, many networks ended the national broadcast of boxing until Ali Frazier era of the 1970s. Griffith's and Perret's stories are chronicled in the amazing documentary Ring of Fire. The event represented a shift in how the sport stopped its fights, 
with referees becoming increasingly safety conscious with each passing decade. In the wake of Paré's death, Griffith was taunted in the streets and received hundreds of hateful letters from Paré's supporters who believed Griffith had purposely murdered the hero, but their words couldn't add to the torment Griffith already felt, which often came in the form of nightmares. Still, he fought the demons day after day, but only rarely did the tigerish Griffith re-emerge in the ring. For the most part, Griffith gained satisfaction by outpointing opponents rather than starching them. After the Paré's KO, his 11th, Griffith scored only 12 more in knockouts in his final 81 fights. Retirement Trainer and Correction Officer Following his 1977 retirement, Griffith followed the footsteps of Clancy and Uncle Murphy and became a trainer. The most notable boxers he trained were WBC featherweight champion Hawan Laporte and at times triple crown titleist Wilfred Benitez. Furthermore, in 1979-1980, he was in Denmark serving as the coach of Danish Olympic boxing team. In addition to this, the connection between Griffith and Clancy remained strong throughout their lives. In fact, one close acquaintance said that Griffith spoke to Clancy the day before the Hall of Fame trainer died in March 2011. Griffith also worked as a correction officer at Secaucus, New Jersey, juvenile detention facility. Personal life. In 1971, two months after they met, Griffith married another Virgin Islander, Mercedes Sadie Donnerstork, who was then a member of the dance troupe Prince Rupert and the Slave Girls. Griffith adopted Donnerstork's daughter, but the marriage only lasted a few months. Griffith also had an adopted son, Louise Rodrigo Griffith. Furthermore, in 1992, Griffith was viciously beaten and almost killed on a New York City street after leaving a gay bar near the Port Authority bus terminal. He was in the hospital for four months after the assault. It was not clear if the violence was motivated by homophobia. Griffith was quoted in Sports Illustrated as saying, I like men and women both but I don't like the word homosexual, gay or the F word. I don't like, I don't know what I am. I love men and women the same. But if you ask me which is better, I like women. Honours. He was elected to the World Boxing Hall of Fame in 1984 and in 1989. He was named one of the charter inductees at the International Boxing Hall of Fame, officially inducted in 1990. But as wonderful as those moments must have been for Griffith, he experienced a profound catharsis on November the 8th, 2003, when Bray's son Benny Jr. embraced Griffith and expressed his forgiveness. The moment was captured in the 2005 documentary Ring of Fire, the Mill Griffith story, but not all was complete because Perez Widwell, Lucy, 
who died in 2004, couldn't bear to see Griffith again. Last few years. Death. A long-time resident of Weehawken, New Jersey, Griffith died July 23, 2013, at a care facility in Hempstead, New York. In his final years, he required full-time care and suffered from dementia, pugilistica. His lover and adopted son, Luis Rodrigo Griffith, was his primary caregiver. The final years of Griffith's life were not healthy ones, as the effects of the pugilistic dementia set in. His happy-go-lucky personality was replaced by extreme suspicion and changes sometimes manifested themselves in public. One particular uncomfortable moment occurred during a Friday night event at one International Boxing Hall of Fame induction weekend when a confused and frightened Griffith failed to recognise Benevenuti and struck him on the arm. The understanding Benevenuti simply smiled and gently led Griffith back to his seat. But the memories of his final years should be superseded by the glories of his youth, the beautiful blend of boxing skills and underrated fury, the many triumphs and accomplishments inside the ring and the nights of victory in the corner. He will also be remembered for the 23 occasions he headlined at Madison Square Garden, boxing's most celebrated shrine. Hope you guys enjoyed. This has been your host, Pam, on Boxing Daily Podcast Live Stories. Tune in next time when I tell another story of your favourite fighter. Thank you for listening, guys and girls. Bye.